with it earlier. Um, this one, yeah. We'll get that one moved. Oh, wow. What a song. What a heavy song to sing that um, I remember when I couldn't sing it. Couldn't sing it unless I was just willing to know that I was singing it to just sing the words. And Anne, if you can hand me my glasses right there. Yeah. Uh, brown or black? Take your pick. I see. Thank you. I want to I wanna make a couple of introductions before we continue on. One of which is um, will be mentioned as I share just little tidbits of my testimony throughout. Um, but um, my very best friend in the whole wide world, um, God has allowed me to partner with in ministry. And um, so my hubby is back there. And Gregory, wave your hand. Yes. So... I, uh, he has been, um, he just got back from Africa and we had to finish a lot of things earlier for this conference this year than we've had to in times past. Um, but without his help and his heart and his, uh, just really love for this event, for the Lord and partnering with me, it would not be really possible. So I, uh, the reason I'm introdu- introducing him now is because I've told him that as the Lord leads, he, um, or if the Lord gives him a particular instruction that he, thank you so much, that he will, um, he needs to get jump up and tell me. Because uh, that's another thing that the Lord kind of showed me is that I needed to be ready for, for that possibly. The other second introduction I'll make at this particular point is, um, and whether she wants to embrace the word leader or pastor, it doesn't matter. But our uh, prayer leader, pastor, uh, is Wendy. Wendy. Wave your hand. Stand up. I'm sorry. She's got to stand up. She, um, God has, um, God has led her the past few years to really, uh, lead the women, um, of ignition to just pray and seek God's face over these events because we know what comes against these in many, many ways. And so that's what Shannon when she prayed, alluded to, is that there was a 5.30 a.m. call for the last almost three weeks. And um, it's uh, that is not a time that uh, that I function. I don't know about you, but that's a, that's a tough time. But God has just supernaturally got women up, and, um, boy, their voices some, sometimes sound different. Uh, unless they've had their Holy Spirit-filled coffee, then they sound the same. But, uh, but it was a beautiful time, and you all were prayed for. I mean, I looked over the list every time there was a registration, and I just, you were prayed for in coming today. And uh, so I am, I'm so thrilled, and, and I don't know all the names with the faces, but uh, I want to get to know you. And the first thing I want to share with you tonight is how these themes come about and what's behind it, because there. It, it, it's the last several years. Uh, this is our 10th year for the retreats. This is the first year the Lord specifically said, call it a conference, because um, I'm starting a new thing. And so whatever that looks like, he just said, use the word conference. So I've been slipping a lot and saying retreat, because we've done it for so many years. But uh, And it is. We're retreating away, and it's a wonderful time to, to kind of get away and, and focus on um, on the Lord, away from the busyness and craziness of your life. But... The 
the theme has come to me often when I'm driving. So I'm, I'm driving along, and the last two years, it came to me as I drive as I was driving over the bridge that I have to cross over every time I go anywhere, because we live in Middletown, Delaware, and um, so you have the either the, the St. George's Bridge or the Route 1 Bridge. And it's, for some reason, the last couple of years, it's been the Route 1 Bridge. So at the top of the Route 1 Bridge... I just was again saying, Lord, what do you, you know, what do you want to do? And even, Lord, do you even want to, do you even want us to keep doing this? I mean, when you get to a place where you say, I surrender, for that to be, to mean something, you have to actually be willing to surrender. And it doesn't matter if it's a tradition, doesn't matter if it's something you've always done, doesn't matter if everybody's expecting it. You have to literally say, okay, Lord, I'm going to lay everything before you. Traditions of man, expectations, what might validate me, what I feel good doing, what I seem to be gifted in, what, you know, whatever it is that you enjoy, have you laid it at the feet of the Lord Jesus? That's, that's hard, because we've, we've laid certain things at his feet, but that's hard. So anyway, he, um, he basically began to lay many different pictures and, and visions and things on my heart that all came to a, well, are you just telling me you just you just want me to kind of surrender the whole thing to just doing it completely your way? And I thought, oh, your way, your way, Lord. Okay. And I, I knew right then that was what he was saying. And it was almost like he was telling me, I want you to do it the way. Not that we hadn't attempted to do that for the last nine years. But this was different because he was highlighting it. And so I went, oh, boy. Okay. What does this mean? And... um I got I got the theme, we went with it, but then I knew that he would begin to unfold it. And because he's such a gentle teacher, he doesn't just wham-blast you all at the same time. Things of paradigms don't change easily or without pain. And so I knew he'd unfold it, but he's, he's so beautiful. And he's so, um, every time that he wants to change something, remove something so that he can give something, it's always something that's better because he's a good, good father. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But I want to kind of unfold some of the things that he's shown me about the concept of your way. And one other thing I'm going to have you hand me is my um, my cell phone that has been silenced. And if it's okay, I forget this too, but would you silence your cell phones just in case... Um, you have random alarms or things that come up. This will just help me to, even though I've committed my timing to the Lord, I want to make sure that I have. Um, and then one other thing, my folder. Please, sorry. Sorry, I'm going to have that. I have this nice big space. I'm going to just use it. You should see how I study. It's crazy. I have an office and a desk, and I spread all my papers and my Bible and multiple Bibles, um, even though they have apps for those things, I'm old school. So I got Bibles and concordances and everything all over my bed, not in my office. It's all on my bed. So that's kind of how I study. But I want to pray. And then I want to, I want to talk about some of the things that the Lord has shown me. And, um, I, I want to actually, as I ask the Lord, I just want to sit down there and let the Lord speak to not just you, but to me. I just really, my desire is to just kind of be out of the way because this whole thing started with him, is about him. He is in charge. And um, my deepest desire is to not have you hear Alexis, even though he wants me to tell you a little bit about me because some of you don't know me, but for it to just be him. So let's pray. Father God, 
God, we love you. We need you, God. How long, God? How long have we been just doing it our way and it's just not working out so great? Oh God, you're so good. You're so loving. You're so merciful, so faithful. You're standing at the door and knocking, asking that we open the door so you can come in and sup with us. And God, I just, I just ask you, God, to just release your Holy Spirit to speak out of this vessel and open the eyes of our understanding with the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you promise in Ephesians and in other places that we might not just hear but that we might through your spirit listen to what you're actually saying tonight God I ask you for a reset of our minds I ask you for a a renewed mind in some of the paradigms that have been formed by the voices that are not of you throughout our entire life. God, we want to know you. We want to know the truth of you, God. Because you are the way. So God, do your will tonight. Speak to us. In Jesus' mighty and holy name, amen. So yes, there is actually one more thing. I need my water bottle. <laughs> High maintenance. I am, I am uh, maybe I should be apologetic, but I jokingly just go, yeah. High maintenance is, is just when you just kind of need stuff. I carry around uh, a purse the size of a, of a duffel bag, overnight bag. If you carry around a purse that big, then certainly your overnight bag is the size of a gigantic luggage bag. So yes, it's it's very uh, it's very interesting. I've just had to embrace that. Um, I was saying earlier that I remember when I couldn't sing, I surrender. And just briefly, I was brought up in a Christian home. I'm one of eight brothers and sisters. Seven. There's big, big. I mean, eight of us in the family, and I am. Um, I have uh, 53 nieces and nephews and, and greats. Humongous family. All my brothers and sisters just had children, and there, my my precious sister who uh, was not able to be with us this year. She's been with me most every year. Uh, Wendy, my oldest sister, she has like 12, 13 grandchildren, and uh, and. Um, she doesn't look a day over 35. It's just an amazing thing. But, but yeah, it's it, it, enormous family. And when I say a Christian home, it's, it's interesting. It wasn't just believers, but it was pastors, theologians, co- uh, college professors, central seminary, uh, le- I mean, like, like major leaders, Christian school principals, like all of this, okay? And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the heritage that I had. Um, 
And I remember when I was 11 years old, I thought I was saved when I was six years old. I went forward with the pastor's daughter, any of you that maybe were in a church where they had a children's program called the Eager Beavers. Um, I don't know that that would be politically correct today. <laughs> Although it wasn't gender specific. It was actually for all, all kids. But today, you know, they, they have different play on words. Did I just say that out loud? Yes, I did. Anyway, <laughs> erase from your mind. But that was the name of the program. So we went forward and I thought I said some words with her. But I knew it wasn't real. And so one Sunday when they talked about hell, I, I just, I remember after church, I went outside. It was a nice day. I sat on the, on the ground behind our garage and I just prayed out to God and I said, I want to, Jesus, I need you in my heart. I don't want to go there. I think I might have asked you in my heart before with my, my friend, but I need to know right now for real. Like I want to make this solid for sure. And that was, um, that was the an experience that began something that I didn't know was beginning, which was that I was really desiring something real. Now, the Christian environment that I was in, my parents were, were completely, I did not see hypocrisy in my home, but it was an extremely legalistic, um, very uh, confining kind of environment in, in my church growing up. And um, it really was from my estimation, I don't, it affected different people differently, but from the way it affected me, it was like salvation and then a journey of behavior modification that uh, was all about what you do, what you don't do, what you look like, what you don't look like. And it just never worked out for me. I never quite did the right thing, definitely didn't look like the right thing. So my Christian upbringing of teaching in my environment became a series of a lot of rejection and criticism and not fitting in at all. And that's a tough thing in a large family where people are leaders. Um, I almost get, got kicked out of the Christian school that I was in while, while my dad was principal. It was just not, not good. The stories I could tell you, it's crazy. Then I went on to go to a college that was uber, uber strict. That doesn't even, not even in existence today. It, it completely went under, which in a weird way is a praise, but that's another story. But I mean, it was so strict, you couldn't be naked in the shower. Okay, I, that's my joke. That's not really true. But it was kind of like, that's, that's kind of where it was. So I began to be, I began to become very hungry for something that wasn't plastic and was real, but how that manifested was rebellion. Because I was just sick to death of religious, of this form and this formation without power, without... I I mean, I remember we were at a summer camp one time, and this lady that was there, this sweet woman, she began in our little prayer group at the end, she began to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I remember thinking, oh... I think I've heard of him. He's in the Trinity. I knew that he was part of the Trinity, but I never knew the function or anything about him. And I'll never forget. Now, again, the camp was not part of our direct church, but it was a a church. It was a a camp that my church sanctioned at the time. I had to have been maybe 14, 15 years old. And I'll never forget. They tried to keep it on the down low, but she was taken aside and scolded for being radical and being a little bit charismatic and that that was inappropriate. And so I felt like I had a flicker of a window and I was very intrigued by that. And so many, many, many years would pass where 
rebellion, but then you come back around because of honoring my family and loving them and just, you know, wanting to do the right thing. And I, I began to, um, my, my sister, uh, Anne actually, who's here, and I'll tell you more about her later, but she had, she was the main, 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 main singer in our family at a master's degree and did all the singing things. So even though I started to sing a little bit, I, I kind of pulled away from that. And it wasn't until I got married that my husband said, you know, you ought to, because I just kind of, you, sometimes when you have siblings, you kind of feel like if that's their role, you kind of pull away and do something else. So I didn't sing. But then when, when my husband and I got married, he said, you know, you ought, to, you ought to sing. You ought to step up and just start singing. So the door to singing opened and the Lord used music to really draw me back into um, a, a better but not full relationship with him. And that, I sang solos and did some things, and it, God opened some doors, and some pretty huge doors. And then, uh, and then my sisters and I um, started singing together and, and doing, you know, we kind of had this plan. We were going to get a bus and go around. We did concerts, and we did stuff, and we released an album and did all these things. And then God just shut that door really quickly, too, and then brought me full circle around into women's ministry, which was the big thing, the biggest thing I rebelled against because my mother from the 1960s had always done women's Bible study. There was always ladies this, ladies that, ladies that. I said, I will never do that. (laughs) And that's what God called me into. And I love it. I love it. I just, you know how when you want a different identity, you kind of push back. But through the years... I'll never forget, and and I'm telling you, even in my last maybe 15 years, these last five years, the journey that God has had me on has been extraordinary. To go most of my life and not declare that I don't believe it, but because of never being taught it and because of kind of honoring the traditions of my upbringing, I didn't believe in any real role of the Holy Spirit which means you negate everything that the Holy Spirit does, especially in the gifts of the Spirit. Anything was of the Spirit, we just didn't, we just didn't address. And, um, and I'll never forget one time teaching a, a women's, my Sunday, my ladies class, whatever you call it, life class, Sunday school class. God had grown it and it was averaging 50, 60 women every Sunday and it was just a wonderful Sunday morning class. And I'll never forget one time thinking, are these women are they different? Are they fundamentally different? Like, is, are all these notes and all these things that I'm giving them m- making a difference? And, uh, and I had m- met Wendy uh, during that, that period of time, and I remember having that conversation with her, like, something's missing here. Something's really missing. You, know, you can busy yourself and distract yourself for a long time, especially if you're in ministry. There's always something to volunteer and do in a church. But at the end of the day, you got to really address that void. Like, where am I? If all of this fell away, and most people that you can't sustain manufactured validation in your life because you're going to get offended, you're going to be unappreciated at some point. You may you may burn out because you may be doing too much. If it's not authentic and real, and you're not walking in the spirit, it cannot be sustained. You can kind of ride this roller coaster, kind of come back from the hurt, or you can just church hop. That works. Okay, that church didn't work out anymore. Don't like them. They don't like me. I'm going to go to the next one. Works for a while. You get offended. They don't like me. I don't like them. Go to the, you know, some people go that route. But God just began to open up a whole a hunger in me that I couldn't understand. And so the last five years has really brought me to today. And as I look back and I go, okay, wow. The desire to find a way 
First of all, it is prevalent in our society. Everybody is looking for the way. That's how, I mean, Pinterest is all about the way to do this, the way to decorate, the way to you know, the do crafts, the way to do this, the way to do that, you know, the way to, you know, there's, there's fashion, there's knitting, there's, you know, home decor. Everything you see in commercials is always, here's a better way, and we'll do it this way, and you shouldn't be doing it that way, you should shortcut and do it this way. And so it's all about this, this distraction of trying to find the way. We're on this quest to find a better way, a better way to be healthy, a better way to diet, a better way in our relationships, a better way to parent, a better way to success. Everything is about the way. And yet, Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And by the way, no man comes to the Father except through me. That verse in simplicity is so powerful. Jesus is the only way. He is the real truth. And he is the best life. He is the best life. But you got to know Jesus to get that. And I want to have you look at a verse that many of you know. Um, my precious grandmother-in-law, Eva Leedy, always put this in all of her cards. And I kind of snatched this as a, a something I took from her. Perhaps you guys do that too. My mother-in-law, sister-in-law, and aunt-in-law is here today. Um, but Eva, she's just rejoicing in the cloud of witnesses with the Lord. And, and I know, by the way, um, because the cloud of witnesses is... Uh, able to root for us, as it talks about in Scripture. Um, I, I know she's rejoicing over what God is doing in, in this event tonight. But in the Passion Translation, I've, I, I typically, because of my upbringing, I loved various, tra- I loved different translations and different things. But I've memorized uh, in the King James because that's what we grew up in. We grew up in the fact that there was no other Bible than the King James. And some of you may know what I relate to, or you may relate to that. Um, but it, it is a precious translation to me because of my memorization. But I also love others and the New Living and others. But the Passion is a newer translation. This verse in that translation so struck me. And I don't know if we have that one available, Greg, for the board. But if you, if you want to put that up, you don't. Okay. If not, if you have it on your app, you got to look at it because it's awesome. Read this with me if you have it, and you can just read it silently with you. But it says, trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. I love that. In the King James, it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct thy paths. There is a way in Proverbs 14, verse 12. I'm going to try to see what I can see without my glasses. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Some of you have experienced the death of the end of the road of your own way being lived out in your life. And God has had to bring you to a point where you're like, whoa, I had to be brought to the bottom 
in a situation to see that this was not the right way. Um, through the years, uh, I don't think it's, it's been the joke of men, uh, about men, but I don't think it's really gender specific, but, but you know how people used to joke about the fact that men never like to ask for directions. I really don't know that that's true with just men, but that's, that's something that's kind of been the joke. Men never like to ask for directions. Well, before pre-GPS days, when you actually had to look at a map and figure out which way, I never could tell, upside down, whatever, it looked all the same to me, I couldn't read maps. But you had to either look at a map or you had to stop at a gas station and ask somebody or stop some, with somebody, you know, walking on the road. Who knew? Some of these kids are going, what? You had to stop somewhere? You couldn't just look at it on your phone? Anyway, um, but I remember that and, and it was kind of true that, that there were some men that just, no, I'm not going to stop for it. We'll find it. It'll all be fine. We're, we're just going to go and we'll, I'll figure it out. I'm just going to, if you've ever dealt with somebody like that, especially pre-GPS, that was just determined, that they knew, they'd figure it out, they, they, I think, I vaguely remember, and this makes sense, and we'll just go this way. And you're just like, if you just ask for directions. If you just, but, but you know what, we, it might be a better way, because it might be, you might be out of the way if you go your own way. I mean, if you just find out, find out the direct way to get there, save us a lot of time. Have you ever been with somebody that's just stubborn, unwilling, some people, it's, it's hilarious. I tried it one time because I really did think I had a better way. I tried it with my GPS on to go my own way. U-turn at next road. I mean, I, I thought that the voice, I don't know if it's Siri or whatever other voice is in there. I thought she was literally going to begin to raise her voice. I've said it five times. Turn around at the next turn. And I just kept driving. I thought, I know the way. I do not care. How many times you tell me to turn? I know the way. And I don't know how, but in that particular case, I was right. I've got to talk to the computer. Um, anyway, it might have been 40 minutes out of the way. Whatever. I was loving that I was not obeying what she was telling me. Isn't that terrible? It's just like this rebellion. I don't know. we got to be careful of that. You know, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. we got to be careful. But, but the inability to follow directions is often where we are with God. It's like, I am the way, not only am I the way, but guess what? I created, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He went on to create man. He created us for his glory, Isaiah says. So he created us for his glory. He created us to be in relationship with us. He then sent Jesus to die. To pay the debt that we could not pay when Adam gave it all away in the Garden of Eden. Jesus paid it all to give us the gift of salvation. He is the best way. And he then even says in Jeremiah 29, 11, which many of us are familiar with, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to harm you. Or to not to harm you. <laughs> plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future. But the first words that I love about that verse is, I know the way I have for you. I know the plans. I know what I have for you. I know. And if you read a couple of verses below that, if you read Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you're going to find me. So God is saying, guess what? I know the plans that I have for you. And if you just seek me with all of your heart, 
You're going to know the plans that I have for you. And of course I know the plans that I have for you because I created you and I created you for my glory and I created you to be in fellowship with me. So there really is a way that's going to prosper you and not harm you. But many of us, I don't believe we have an issue with knowing that God is the way. I believe we would look at John 14, verse 6, and we would say, yes, Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. It's not that. It is what we fundamentally believe about the way maker that is the issue with us following the way. Because, see, if you don't trust fully the way maker, you're not going to go that way. Somebody ever gave you directions and you're kind of like, yeah, that was kind of shady. I don't know. Like I've, I've talked to some people pre-GPS from a gas station. Yeah, didn't look like the top floor was like, you know, maybe there's some renovation going on up there. I don't know. But it was just, I don't know. You know, go down and around the bend and look for the big tree and the barn that's half painted. Uh, you know, I don't know about that. If you don't trust who's giving you directions in your life, then the way is going to be quite hindered, especially when there are competing voices because we have an enemy. We have an enemy that, by the way, is not just... We look at Satan as the nemesis of God, and yes, but he wants to remove man from relationship with God. If he cannot hinder you in salvation... The very next thing he wants from you, he wants your faith straight out, pre-salvation or not. But once you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you've got your, some people, uh, sadly, with their paradigms, look at it as just their fire insurance or their ticket to heaven. In the process of relationship, if he, if he couldn't keep you out of hell, he's going to keep you out of relationship. And he will keep you not going any way that God wants you to go. Because every time you are going the way that God has, you are automatically impacting other people's lives. So if he can keep you off the path, then he can keep everybody in your sphere of influence off the path. And it's so important that we understand who the Waymaker is, who God is. I think there's even a song that's called The Waymaker. I've I've heard it. Uh, I don't know the name of it or who sings it, but... I remember hearing it on the radio a while back, and I really liked it. But how we, what we fundamentally believe about God is so important. And with, with my whole life being Christian, 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 teachers, you know, preachers, evangelists, everything, I was soaked in an environment of church all the time. And we, when we had evangelistic meetings, it was every night of the week. I mean, we were just in the church building all the time. But even with that, I had to let go of paradigms about God that I didn't even know were so fundamentally broken. Because see, what unfortunately, what the legalistic environment did, and, and I don't want to have, have a kind of an indictment or, or a judgment of anyone's heart, but I know that how I was taught in some cases uh, was very, very damaging growing up because you see I understood that when I asked Jesus into my heart I I was adopted into the family of God and and that I was no longer an orphan but if you look at 
orphans and that orphan spirit that, by the way, the orphan spirit manifests in insecurity and in the feeling of constant rejection. I so fundamentally believe I'm rejected that I'm going to really kind of greet you as this new relationship with this wall of rejection and probably end up rejecting you so that I can beat you to the punch because I know you're going to reject me because I am just a rejected person. And you got dysfunctional relationships all around you when you have that struggle. But I remember that as I didn't understand this idea of what it meant to be adopted instead of just like... This is the way I picture it. Picture orphans in an orphanage home, okay? God is not the one that's just working at the orphanage as the one that provides for your needs and provides your food and provides for your sleep and tells you where to go. And, you know, you, you have your caretakers at the orphanage. Oftentimes, that's what we see God. We see God as a caretaker. We see him as the one that meets our needs and cares for us. But we don't see him as the one that comes into the orphanage and wants to just, Caitlin, I want you. I choose you. You, as you receive me, I'm knocking at your door. If you, if you'll have me, I, I'm choosing you. I want you in my family. I'm not just going to meet your needs. I now, after the adoption experience, I'm now going to teach you. You're now part of the family. I'm going to share with you everything that being in this family gives. It is a beautiful experience. You are adopted. You are chosen. You are now part of the family and everything that comes with being in that family. That is who God is. But instead, we see God as the one that's working the shift at the orphanage. Yes, we go to him for our needs. We go to him for this. But it's like we see God as a taskmaster, not as a loving father. Not as the loving father that, that is just for us. It's for us. When I think about that, that, that means more to me. And I'll talk more about that tomorrow in, in one of the sessions tomorrow. But to know that God is for me means everything. When what legalism did, I remember that when I didn't conform and I didn't behave in the way that was expected, And sometimes I wanted to, but I just didn't get it. And I just couldn't, honestly, I couldn't sustain the manufacturing of that behavior in my own strength. It's like, there's got to be a better way. Have you ever tried to stick to a diet and you're just like, I just don't get it. I I just can't. There's, There's only so long that I can eat this when basically every day I'm like, yeah, I can buckle down and I can do it, but I just don't get it. So at some point, something else is just going to look better. I'm done. If I see another carrot, I'm going to, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm going to do. See, God takes what's good for us. God takes this holiness, this journey into holiness. He makes it so beautiful and so desirable. And he says, look, don't worry what you don't have in strength. Because that's my opportunity to show my strength in you. And so it's just like a completely upside down way and and Satan is there all along the way whispering lies and and I look back at at the lies that were whispered about who God was and that he wasn't for me and you know I love first John 1 9 that is just one of my favorite verses because it's freedom it's a verse of freedom 
If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My righteousness is found in Christ Jesus. Apart from me, Romans tells me, tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. So my righteousness is only found in him. And so when I mess up, there's no condemnation, okay? There's no condemnation. But there's the conviction that brings me and draws me. See, his love constrains me and convicts me toward him. It doesn't condemn me away from him. So with that confession of sin, because he's for me, I'm drawn back into his presence. It's kind of like um, with my children, with my girls. I don't know if you know, but um, Brooke on the worship team is my firstborn. And then my little one is somewhere around here. She was great. She put all the candy in the dishes. Very good. So, um, but there's 15-year gap, and that's another story. But, um, but I didn't always, and I'll refer to the didn't because she's grown now. Because I'm, I still have a young child that I'm raising right now, but that we are raising right now. But I remember there were points when I didn't at all approve of Brooke's behavior. At all. Okay? I'm not going to be sharing details. But there were times. But you know what? You can, you can fundamentally want to, hey, this isn't the way. This is not the way. This is not the behavior. This is not the relationship. Let me teach you. Let me guide you. Let me prune, reprove you. But all the way, it's only... It's only the sin. It's only the, the love to help you change. It's, you're always for your child, even when you have, even when you don't like what they're involved in. And that's the way God is with us. It's like, no, He's for me. Have you ever felt like you, you can't even pray when you sin a sin or when you sin the same sin that you have tried to get victory over and you're like, I don't know that I can go to God about this again. I, I, I mean, it's just, how many times? How many times is he going to forgive me? How, do, how could I fail again? And we beat ourselves up. And we live in this condemnation. And until we feel better about it, do we go back to God? That is often the way we do it. Because we don't know who God is. We don't know that he is for us. That he is still that loving father. Even when we mess up. And he draws us to himself. Um, when Jesus said... In John 14, 6, that he was the way, he was coming to the people of his day to tell them that he was the Messiah. And it's so interesting that the people and the spirit of the people that put Jesus on the cross and ultimately crucified him was the religious spirit. It was the religious religious teachers, scribes and Pharisees of the day. And... Um, I will tell you, not just from my own testimony, but because I believe it with my whole heart and it's all through scripture, that the religious spirit is a very, very dangerous and one of the most dangerous spirits because it is it can so twist the truth about who God is. And some people, the pendulum swings so far in the other direction that they um, begin to bash churches and any kind of, you know, church, whatever. It's not about church being bad, but I'll tell you what. Church better be about God and not about a formation of something that man is doing. And that's what's made church become such a mess today. It is a mess. 
in that um, it's just completely broken because it's not based on the Lord. Um, I'm going to mention one other quick thing here. I love Isaiah. There's just, don't get me started when it comes to the things that I love about Scripture. It's so great. Actually, let me take you first to just, uh, if you have your Bible, if you want to do in the Psalm 37. I just want to give you a couple of verses here to just tell you. Psalm 37, three verses in there. My favorite is verse 4, but in verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord, do good. And um, I'm, I'm summarizing it, but dwell in the land and you will be fed. God wants to do it, to have us do things his way. And in verse 4 of that, delight yourself also in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I love that one. And, and the last one is, is verse 5. Commit your way unto him, trust in him, and he will bring it to pass. Those verses, they're, they're just, there's all throughout scripture, all throughout scripture. He keeps telling you, if you will surrender to doing it my way, what I want to give you, what I want to pour out into you, the good plans that I have for you are so extraordinary. You just have to surrender to doing it my way. And that is the key for this weekend. All that we are dealing with, all that we face, what you're going to hear in Bryn's extraordinary testimony. If there would ever be a situation that would make you want to give up doing anything God's way based on the pain that you're facing and things that don't make sense and the waiting time alone, it would be what she's going to share with you in in the testimony of her own life, her family, and her son. But I will tell you that if you will ask the Lord to begin to show you how can I do things how can, I, how can I bring my life to where I'm laying it down and, and just doing it your way? Begin to show me. That is the first step in God revealing to you. And you know what? He is a gentle teacher. He will take you a step at a time. And God has, has overflowed my life with basically the three things. I, he said, look, if you'll believe, you believed me for salvation. Okay, which if you have not invited Jesus into your life, that's the first thing you want to you want to accept about the way maker. But salvation, then you got to believe for him about who he is in the supernatural realm. He is a supernatural God. And so unless you believe and allow him to to do what he, you know, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the woman at the well, he said, you're to people need to worship me in spirit. And in truth, the true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth, not just in truth, but allowing my Holy Spirit to actually move. And in my upbringing, the Holy Spirit was not allowed to move because it took a lot of humility and surrender to allow things to happen outside of what could be controlled. When you have an environment that you want to control, you're very unlikely to allow the Holy Spirit to move because Holy Spirit flows like a river. If you've ever been in a river that's flowing, it's just flowing. And and when you try to stand in a river that's really flowing, you're going to get knocked over. And so people have pulled away from the workings of the Holy Spirit because they're like, okay, I like this, I like this, I want truth, I want this, but I want some sort of, you know. And then they quote the verses, God's not the author of confusion and misrepresent the context of that verse. 
And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gets smaller and smaller and smaller and quenched. And they don't mean to. But truly doing things God's way is surrendering and believing him for salvation, for the supernatural, for who he is, because he is a supernatural God. He's certainly not in the natural. We're to seek his kingdom. He's in the kingdom, the king's domain in the heavenly realms. That is where he is. And as Jesus prayed, he releases the kingdom realm to us. And guess what? When you become part of the family of God, now you're part of, you're seated with him in heavenly places. He's promised all spiritual blessings. So as I invited the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's within me has connected me with that spiritual realm. So I am no longer just of the natural. I'm going to fight the natural. I'm going to fight this carnal side. But now by faith, I can seek him, Matthew 6.33, his kingdom and his righteousness, and then he'll add everything. But by faith, that's how we connect. And then the third way you gotta, you, you got to believe him for is your situations. Your situations. If you remember those three S's, your, the salvation, believing he's the way for the salvation, believing he's the way in the supernatural realm and letting the supernatural realm invade this realm. Okay? That's why we're overcomers, and I'll talk more about that tomorrow. But it's like... The kingdom realm, I mean, Jesus came to say, hey, the kingdom is at hand. Why is the kingdom at hand? Because of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be released. It's an amazing thing. So if you have the Holy Spirit living within you, you have access to that kingdom realm. And it's supposed to invade this realm. That's why we, we, we connect with him. And Jesus said, he's praised on earth as it is in heaven. And then believe him for your situations. Some of you, it's just plain old fear that keeps you from seeing God in your situations. It's just, and fear, by the way, manifests in control. So you might not think, well, yeah, but I don't think I'm really afraid of stuff. If you've got a tight grasp on something and you're not willing to take that grasp off, you got fear swimming around somewhere because that's what it is. Fear manifests in, I got to hold on because if I don't hold on, it's not going to be held on to, which is a lie of the enemy. I just want you to know the, the way maker tonight. I want you to know the way maker. God is passionately, passionately in love with you and wants the very, very, very best for you. And he's holding his hands out with all these spiritual blessings to give. But many of us, and you got to decide this. This is a personal decision. Many of us want what he has to give. But we are encumbered with everything we are carrying. If I were to use a physical example, which I did for my ladies' class recently, and put all kinds of stuff in your hands. you got a basket, you got this, you got that, you got bags, you got luggage, you got your baggage, you got your life, you got your stuff, and your... Some of us can spin plates and do, we're, we could do amazing things. We can manufacture, I mean, women, I, I'm amazed at what women can do. I mean, that's where that phrase, you know, in the household, you know, the women kind of controls everything. If a mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. It's because we know how many plates we're spinning, okay? But you know what? If I say, Lord, I want things your way, and he wants to give me something, what in the world can I take when I got all this stuff in my life, in my hands? You got to put something, you got to lay something down. And guess what? The more I lay down, the more I have capacity to receive. And when I'm empty before him, I can receive it all. Because I can open my hands to everything that he has. So only you can decide 
what you are willing to lay down. And I will tell you, one of the first things is fear. Second Timothy 1, 7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is one of the greatest entries of Satan into our lives, gaining authority. If he can make loud noises, smoke and mirrors, create big shadows in your life, freak you out, give you a weird experience, um, uh, tell you things, especially if you if you had an experience where somebody both uh, abused you and said they love Jesus out of the same mouth, out of the same life, okay? And you're like, okay, God, is that you? Is, is, that, is that your love? They love Jesus. They, they have you, but look what they're doing to me. And Satan loves that. He whispers and he goes, yeah, that's, that's who God is. He's only nice once in a while. You got you to do this and do that and jump through 20 hoops. Then he'll be nice to you. And he's he whispering. All the demonic realm is whispering. And we've got to know who God is. We've got to be willing to just be like, look, what is the truth? Jesus said, look, I'm not only the way. I am the truth. I will cut through the lies and I will reveal the truth to you so that you can know who I am. So that you can discern when you're being lied to. And then he makes a way. And, and, he, and that's, that's the life that he is. Because when you're on the way with him, you're living that abundant life. So this, this weekend, if you will make, if you say, Lord, what do I need to lay down? And I'm telling you, even if it's one thing, some of you, it's just time. I really believe that God wants to reset. He wants to reset. And he wants to show you that he is the God that has the capacity to resolve everything you're struggling with, conflict-wise. To provide for everything that you have believed and struggled with in lack. Some of it's just been a belief in lack. Some people have and they just fear for the lack that they may have. And others, it's a real struggle. He can provide. Philippians 4.19, all your need, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And also, he can be the fulfillment of the satisfaction of who he is. I love, our, our theme verses for, um, for the women's ministry, I'm going to keep track of my time here. Theme verses for the women's ministry is Ephesians 3, 16 through, 16, uh, through 18 or 19. I love Ephesians 3.20 though too, but... It's um, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory by Christ Jesus to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith so that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the length and breadth and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, which means blows your mind out, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. When was the last time you experienced the fullness of God? We are on a quest for the way, in whatever way that looks, we are on a quest for the way because of the lack of the fullness of God within us. And even with my whole life being Christian, there was such a void. There was constant opportunities religiously. But relationally, there was just always something. Always something I felt like I needed to do more, be better, look different. 
come across different. I, I never forget one of the times we went and sang at a, at a concert. Uh, I was asked. We were asked to sing. It was not a concert. It was special music before a particular women's event. And the, one of the ladies took me aside and said, "You cannot wear nail polish." And I just remember thinking, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Like, I. It was inter- it was interesting because I, I I felt like it was it was tough because in the moment I just I was I felt so bad, but then later I was kind of like seriously, <laughs> are you are you kidding me right now? I, it was like this conflict because I kept thinking, Lord, I I, I want to have the right spirit and I I want to, but where did you say I can't wear nail polish? <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, like. So I was always conflicted and I thought, are these the voices that I'm listening to? Is that the way? Is, is the conservative? Is the, is the whatever it was that I wasn't? Is that the way? Because I don't know that I can sustain that. And is that what the Christian life is about? Because being for me and loving me, I mean, literally, I got to the point where God, why'd you make me? Why'd you make me this way? Like, are, are my fundamental ways and quirks are are they just did i mess up so fundamentally that i'm not the way that that i was supposed to be created i mean have you ever had have you ever questioned god to that point where you're just like why am i the way i am i guess i'm not supposed to even be this way which means i guess i'm not supposed to be here you ever felt that low you ever felt like why am i here i mean you know it's this spiraling down of lies and lies and lies why am i even here do you know the suicide rate in this nation? It is insanely high. And the enemy's full desire is to come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if people knew the way maker, and they knew how much he loved them, what he sent his son to die and to pay for, he paid for our freedom from the lies and the garbage that we hear all the time about what we're supposed to be and not be. And I'm not, I'm not saying there's not a way to be. But every way I'm supposed to be is so gloriously carried by the Holy Spirit and by the Son of God and my relationship with the Father. It's like, you can't even... When I began, when that shift happened in my life where it became relational and not religious, even though I was desiring the relational, I just didn't even know how to get there. The things that have been purified in my life, you could never have asked me, you could not have paid me to do. I mean, it was very bizarre. I, was, I, I let go of TV shows that I'd watched for years only because just the love of God just poured over me and he just said, I just love you so much. And as you take in that, you're going to get another false paradigm of life and of, of interaction, and it might even create a lust issue. And I just, I love you so, you are so my princess. I don't, I don't want that garbage. And, and I, I could feel the, the squeeze and the quench of the spirit. And I was just like, oh, well, thank you, Lord. And he showed me a lens on it that wasn't like, really? I'm giving this up? Another thing to give up? It wasn't. It was a beautiful, like, ew, thank you. Like, like he revealed the poison that I was about to eat. And I thought, well, I don't care how good it looks. I, if it's going to poison me, I don't really want it. I mean, seriously, if you had your absolute favorite food in front of you and somebody went, you know, I saw in the kitchen what people just did to that. Wouldn't matter, would it, that it's your favorite dish. You'd be like, okay, thank you. Don't want it. That's what God did is he began to just purify my life. So 
He will. It's not that there's not a way. You don't get saved and then we just live unto our flesh. We, he does have sanctification is the most beautiful process, but it's done in his strength. I had an addiction for many, many years. I may share that more tomorrow. I mean, hopeless, hopeless thought that it could ever change. I just thought, okay, I'm just basically going to be dealing with it, probably confessing it, probably whatever. Um, and, it, and it had had to do with food, just so you don't go rampant in your crazy, you know, like whatever. You, I don't want to leave you too wondering, but I'm going to tell you about a, a, a food a food disorder that I had. It was, it was pretty pretty serious. Um, and I just kind of thought, and, and also I kind of put it into the Christian category. Nobody talks about this. Nobody deals with this. This is this is religiously acceptable, but I knew that it made me just so ineffective. It made me feel so horrible, and it also was the, the biggest hypocrisy as I did ministry for so many years and wasn't willing to tell the truth about this. So <clears throat> the fact that God fundamentally, from the inside out, so lovingly healed me, because see what he did is he didn't just remove it, behavior change. I'm just going to strengthen you and you're just going to change your behavior. No, he healed. He healed the reason that the compulsion for that was even there because it was lack. It was lack. It was fundamental rejection. And some of us do not know how we punish our bodies because we really kind of feel like that's where we're valued. So who even cares? We may as well comfort ourselves and do what we got to do. Maybe food, it may be any number of things, any kind of vice that you want to pick, the acceptable and the unacceptable, doesn't matter. If it's a compulsion that's not filled with the Spirit of God, it is not of God. And God's way, God's way to heal and to change your life is so beautiful and so amazing. But we got to be willing to lay something down. So that is my prayer for you. As you begin to hear different testimonies and hear what God wants to share with you the rest of this weekend. I want you to know that the reason he said for it to be my way, his way this weekend, is because he wants to pour out the love that is his way to heal you, to free you, to remove the fears to remove the burdens that you have carried upon yourself that you're just like, I guess this is just my life until I, well, at least I got my ticket. At least I'm going to heaven. You know, I mean, I'm just gonna, just gonna live this way. And there's no abundance, there's no power, there's no, there's no joy. I mean, the joy. Where's the joy in the body of Christ? Oh my goodness. The reason there's no strength in the body of Christ is because there's no joy. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And strength meaning power. This Holy Spirit is just boxed in here. Because you feel like everything else is just, well, I, I'm just still in the orphanage. And, and, and my needs are basically being met. And, you know, and, I, and I'm going to be delivered one day to that place in the sky. But for right now, I'm just going to hang out with my orphan friends. And God has completely delivered you. That orphan spirit is gone. It's eradicated if you've invited Jesus into your heart. Let's pray. Oh God, you are you are so much bigger 
than we can even comprehend. And I thank you and I praise you, God. I praise you, God, for your love. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should even be called the sons of God. Thank you for your love. God, if you would open the hearts and the eyes and the minds of those tonight that may not even fully recognize that at the core of all their issues is that they just fundamentally don't believe that you love them. God, I pray that you'd break that wall down. Break that wall down. Because if I don't believe you love me, I'm not willing to go your way. And it's only a broken and contrite heart that thou wilt not despise. God, you need our brokenness tonight. You need our willingness to lay it down. Lay down our fears. Lay down our preconceived notions. Lay down what we think are things that you did that that were our disappointments and our letdowns. God, would you just heal that tonight? Holy Spirit, just heal that. Show us the way, the real life. The truth. God, show us the truth, God. Because if we know the truth, we are free. I just want you to just bow your heads. Just keep your heads bowed for just one moment. This wouldn't be difficult for some, but for others, even this one gesture is a huge stepping out of your comfort zone. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, would any of you that know that I've got to lay something down this weekend, maybe you know what it is, maybe it immediately appears to your spirit where you just, yep, I know, I know I I struggle with that. I know that I worry so much. I know that I, you know, that I just, yeah, everything else, Lord, but don't touch that. Don't touch my kids. Don't touch... Don't touch asking me to do that. Don't touch having me let go of that or or change that relationship or humble myself or maybe ask for forgiveness or forgive someone, whatever it is. If you know, if the Lord has already spoken to you, and some of you, if you don't recognize that, it's that it came to your mind, the conviction, the moment of that little squeeze that maybe you had to literally, like it was squeezing your spirit so much you you had to just think, I don't want to think about that anymore. I, I'm not, I'm not going to go there because I'm just, I'm not going to deal with that. If you know there's something you got to lay down without anybody looking around, would you just shoot your hand up as a gesture to God by way of your raised hand? You are saying to God only, God, I got to lay this thing down. Maybe you don't know what it is and maybe you, you know you got to lay it down, but you have no idea how. But right now, with this raised hand, you are going to say to the Lord in your heart, God, I am giving this to you. I don't know what that means fully, but I am giving this to you. Because there has got to be a better way, and I believe that that is you. So, Father, I ask, hands are up everywhere, I ask in Jesus' name, and by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that paid it all, 
on the cross, that you would take these areas, these issues, no matter what they are, issues of the mind, issues of the body, issues of of habits, God, it could be just literally fears, but that you would take them and pour your loving way into the hearts of these women. And God, anybody else that isn't quite sure, Father, would you just remind them that as they purge things out of your life, out of their life, that you are for them? God, do your will, do your way. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.